All right, we are, um, we have been studying the book of Ephesians, uh, and we made our way uh, through a large portion of the book, and as a matter of fact, we are at the uh, final passage of scripture uh, for us to look at together. So I'm very excited about that. Um, you know, the, I love for us to study the word, for us to take our time studying a book together, walking through the scripture. You'll notice we haven't, we haven't skipped anything uh, in the book of Ephesians, talked about all the different topics that are there. Uh, I love for us to break down the scripture and highlight uh, what God is saying to us in the midst of, of that. One of the things I noticed is as you come to the end of Ephesians, that we spent quite a bit of time talking about the armor of God. We spent three weeks from verse 10 down through verse uh, 18. Um, one, of the, one of the things that I do in preparation for a series like this is to uh, do a lot of research and a lot of reading. Um, so I kind of get myself prepared and then I'll read a lot of different um, perspectives on that passage that we're dealing with that day and then try to allow the Spirit of God to help us understand what he wants to teach us there. One of the things I noticed about this final passage in Ephesians is that there was a lot of writers that kind of stop with the armor of God and the prayer, like verse 18 that talks about all kinds of prayer. You know, that sort of, for some of them, becomes the final word. And so you get chapter 6, verses 19 through 24, and some people kind of just skip right over that or where they've written pages and pages about the armor of God, they might have a sentence or two about 19 through 24. And so... Um, First of all, that kind of bugs me, uh, and so I have to start. And then the second thing that happens is I wonder why. Why is that? What, what is it about this scripture? And I just want to tell you that I think this is an amazing passage of scripture. Uh, one of the things that's going on here is that Paul is using words as a way of bringing uh, affirmation. Uh, affirmation, like words of affirmation, words of benediction uh, to uh, the people that he loved and he cared for. And so that's such a great model for us. So I want you to think with me about um, the power of words, the power of affirmation, and this benediction from Paul to the Ephesians. So uh, on your outline, there's some introduction there. You know, it says that words are one of the most powerful forces available to humanity. We can choose to use this force constructively with words of encouragement or destructively using words of despair. Words have energy and power. Amen? Words have energy and power with the ability to help, to heal, to hinder, to hurt, to harm, to humiliate, and to humble. So considering the powerful force of the words we speak, we must discipline ourselves to speak in a way that conveys respect, gentleness, humility, and transformation. One of the clearest signs of a changed life by Jesus is how you use your speech. Using our speech for good is one of the signs of maturity as a Christ follower. So before speaking it, um, before speaking, it is right to take a few moments to contemplate what will you say 
What and how will you say it? While we will consider the impact of those words that would have on the people that are listening. Be kind to all. Speak words that become beacons of inspiration, enthusiasm, and encouragement to all. Kind and sweet words are always music to the ears of the listeners. Now, unfortunately, many people are compelled to give voice to any passing feeling. Now, I want to make sure we're on the same page here. You know, the day that we live in, it is not only about words that you speak, but people use their words to try to speak through social media, right? A lot of people love to speak their mind or say whatever they want to say, but the words that you speak in social media is just like your speech, what you are trying to say, what you're saying to others. When we talk about trivial things or gossip about others, uh, you know, our attention can be wasted our voices can be wasted. When we speak, we should speak with mindfulness in a way that solidifies peace and compassion in our character. Our words matter, and Jesus holds us accountable for every one of them. Matthew 12:36. In his book, Love as a Way of Life, Gary Chapman talks about the power of words of affirmation. And he uses this metaphor of words as bullets or seeds. That can be convicting right there, can it? Are my words like bullets or are they like seeds? If we use our words as bullets with a feeling of superiority and condemnation, we are not going to be able to impact others with love. If we use our words as seeds with a feeling of supportedness and sincere goodwill, we can build relationships in a positive and life-affirming way. So what does, what does the Bible have to say about the power of words? I just have a few examples for you. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruits. James 3 talks at length about the harm that the tongue can cause, figuratively describing the damaging power of words. And in this book we've been studying, Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Proverbs 10, 11 says, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. So words can do great harm and great good. A few other verses there that you can take a look at. So as we're listening today to this scripture from Ephesians 6, 19 to 24, listen to Paul's words, Paul's words of final greetings and benediction. He says, pray for me. Pray for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the gospel, the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord will tell you everything so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. I am sending him to you for this very purpose that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters 
and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who have, excuse me, who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. So I think what's happening in this scripture is that Paul is having a few tender moments with those that he cares about. I was wondering, you know, does that surprise you that he's all of a sudden tender? He's all of a sudden open to those that are around him. He has spoke so powerfully doctrine and teaching us. And now he's so carefully opening his heart to those that are around him. Uh, question for you. What does it take for you to find your tender space, to be tender toward other people around you? You know, sometimes it's easy to be harsh and it's easy to, to not pay attention to those that are around us or not verbalize what, what God has done through the people that God has put in your life. Paul is an example to us here that is honestly, to me, uh, so powerful. So we're going to look at seven different words, seven different affirming words from Paul. Um, you know, affirming words are so important to us. Uh, they remind us of the things that we want to say to others. Don't you have sometimes when maybe you haven't spoken the kindest words to those or maybe haven't really spoken what you intend? You know, words of affirmation, they sound sort of like this. I just want to let you know how proud I am of you. Or you work really hard for us and even when things may feel tough, I just want you to know how appreciative I am of you. I feel so blessed to have you in my life. I am here if you need me. I want to help support you in any way that I can. You are doing such a great job and I'm really proud of you. Or wow, you look so good. I really love that outfit. It looks great on you. Don't you like affirming words like that? Encouraging words that, in, that lift you up and encourage you. Words of affirmation uh, that we can speak to others. And so seven words of affirmation. Now notice the first one. I'm so impressed uh, by these first words. Paul says, pray for me. Pray for me. Um, pray we pray often for others. You know, here we have, uh, you know, we, we take prayer requests every week. We take prayer requests on, you know, different Bible studies. And I noticed that especially our cards that you fill out every week down at the bottom, it always says prayer request. Do you know that most of those requests are for somebody else and not for you? And that's a, that's a good thing that we pray for others. But sometimes we need to say, pray for me, pray for me. You know, I would say, um, thank you for praying for me. There are some of you that just about every week say, I'm praying for you, pastor. And I appreciate that so much. But I want you to know that I'm, you know, I'm so, aren't you moved by the apostle Paul? I mean, he's, He's this man of doctrine. I mean, he's the apostle Paul. And yet when he gets to the end, so tender, and he says, pray for me. Pray for me. I say, pray for me. Thank you. 
for your prayers, trying to lead our church and trying to deal with all the changing dynamics here. And, um, you know, I, I appreciate, even if you don't agree with everything, that you would pray for me and pray as we try to lead our church well. So thank you. I want you to pray for me. But I also want you to know it's okay to say, pray for me. Would you say out loud, pray for me? Ready? Pray for me. Say it again. Pray for me. You know, it's, it's a vulnerability that says, am I willing to let the people that love me, people that are close around me, to pray for me, uh, to, to share a burden or a need uh, that, you, you, that you might be dealing with, praying for you. Um, we say, pray for me. You know, there's some people here that uh, maybe you need to say, pray for me. Uh, maybe you'd even have courage to say today in this place. Maybe somebody would stand up and say, pray for me. And, and you don't have to give us the whole story, but just how could we, how could we pray for you? Anybody vulnerable like that would just say, uh, pray for me, pastor, congregation. Anybody courageous enough? Yeah, Daniel. Danielle said, pray for me. That work is a struggle uh, for her, and it's emotional. It's emotional for you. A lot of times, that's why we don't, we don't always share, because we cry. <laughs> and we cry. We'll pray for you. Thanks. Norma. Thank you. Norma Jacobs, she said, uh, pray for her. A lot of brokenness, a lot of depression uh, going on in, you know, around her. Anybody else? Pray for me. Well, maybe you don't want to stand up, but on that communication card, there's a whole box right there where you can say, pray for me. Or maybe you have a need and you just want to write me about it. Uh, that information's there. A place where you can say, I, I, I have these prayers for other people in my life. But if the Apostle Paul could say, pray for me, you certainly can say, pray for me. Pray for me. Uh, the burdens that you're dealing with, the struggles that are, that are going on uh, around you in, in your heart and life. Paul is so affirming to his brothers and sisters as he is vulnerable and willing to let them pray for him. He cries out, pray for me. Are you willing to say, pray for me, for the people that are around you, people that are close to you, uh, that they would be able to offer uh, encouragement uh, to you? So that's the first affirming thing, affirming way that that Paul responds. The second one is related to a guy named Tychicus. Tychicus, our dear brother and faithful servant in the Lord. So let me just tell you a little bit about Tychicus. Uh, Tychicus is one of those um, Bible characters who probably doesn't receive a whole lot of recognition. Uh, Tychicus is only mentioned five times in the New Testament. But the ministry that he provided, especially to Paul, was so important and noteworthy. 
We first meet Tychicus in Acts 20, verse 4. During uh, Paul's third missionary journey, he is He's mentioned as one of Paul's companions uh, on the way from Corinth to Jerusalem to deliver a gift. Uh, you can see Romans 15, 25, and 26. And we learn that Tychicus was from Asia and was a dear brother of Paul's and a faithful servant of the Lord, Ephesians 6, 21. In Colossians 4, 7, Tychicus is a faithful minister and fellow servant who was with Paul during this first Roman imprisonment. He was entrusted to deliver these epistles to the Ephesians and the Colossians and to bring news of the apostle to the congregation. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. I'm sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances, that he may encourage your hearts. You know, encouragement is mentioned as a part of Tychicus, um, his, his uh, ministry to others. What an affirming word, right? That he mentions this person that's only mentioned five times. You know, likely Tychicus was a uh, amanuensis. An amanuensis was a person that would take dictation for somebody that was writing. So many people think that Tychicus would have been there in the prison cell and been writing down what Paul was, was speaking of, uh, to the Ephesians. And then near the end of that, um, Paul takes the pen himself and he writes these final words where he says, pray for me. And he wants us to know uh, about Tychicus and respond uh, to him. Isn't that beautiful? You know, I, I noticed how, how important it is that he shares. Like, it makes you wonder, why, why is Tychicus mentioned here? You know, do you think he's mentioned there so that you can win at Bible trivia and know who Tychicus was? I don't think so. I think what Paul is doing is he's in this tender moment. He's in this tender moment, and he is going about this task of laying out affirming words, affirming words to the people around them. Now, why would I talk about all this? Because I'm notorious, notorious for it. Um, my, my crowd, you know, um, Will is getting married. Um, he's not here today, so um, Will's getting married in, uh, on the 21st of, you know, I, uh, I plan to talk. <laughs> yep. I plan to, uh, I'm, I'm sure if he heard this, he'd be nervous. But uh, I'm, I'm going to talk because I got some things to say. I got some affirming words that I, I want him to, I want him to know on his wedding day how his daddy felt about him because I have affirming words in my heart. It happens at Thanksgiving. Everybody gets nervous at my house. <laughs> like at Christmas, they know we're not opening gift number one till we get the affirming words going in the, in the house. And uh, I can't always get them to do it, but I'm always doing it. It's so important that the people that are important to us know how we feel about, about them. You know, I see it all the times at funerals where people will say, well, I didn't really know how they felt about me. I never heard them say, I love you. I mean, come on, right? 
Come on, people. It costs you no money, zero money to use your tongue to express affirming words to the people that you care about. Amen. Nothing. All it takes is a little prayer, a little courage, and maybe even a pen. You might need to write it down. Maybe you need to give them a call or uh, fill out a card. But, you know, quit giving cards that just say, happy birthday, Lloyd. I never get, I never send, like I send y'all birthday. You get birthdays from me? You, know, you get a text from me? It, it says something. It says something affirming about how I feel about you. Um, you know, that's, that's so important. That's what this example, do you, do you believe that? Are you, are you with me in this passage and why it's so important that you got to find a way to express affirming words to people in your life? I'm not in those people's life, but you are. And if you love them, you know, there, you know, somebody asked me one time, pastor, is it hypocritical to say affirming things to people that don't even like you? Well, I say that nothing is hypocritical if you are leaning in to do what the Bible encourages you to do. It's just not hypocritical. People in your life, they need you to affirm them. I mean, I meet people that never hear anything positive. Like I've sat back in my counseling center like a hundred times and I'm saying stuff. Like I'm saying stuff about the word of God and how, how God feels about you. And I mean, I just go on and on and on. And I say, you know, then this person's crying and they'll usually say something like, nobody's ever talked to me like that. Nobody's ever affirmed me like that. Well, what's wrong with us? You got people in your life that need, you got Tychicus, right? You got some people in your life that you need to figure out how to affirm them. That's what he's teaching us right here. He doesn't care if you know about all about Tychicus. What he's affirming is you have these people in your life that are so important and they need the affirmation that you can bring to them. Everybody say amen. amen. Right. All right. That's a good point. Um, so we see what he's, what he's trying to describe right here. So uh, as he goes on, he's not only talking about Tychicus, but he is coming to this place of benediction. Like 23 and 24 is really a benediction. Now, you know what a benediction is? Uh, a benediction is uh, words of benediction. A benediction is a short concise statement given in the Bible in the form of a petition or an assurance or a promise or an affirming word. A lot of times it pronounces like a divine blessing on the people around us. You know, the word benediction means to say something good, to voice good thoughts uh, to, to others, reminding us of the good words. You know, the, uh, the words of benediction are like, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. That's what's happening at the end here. He's, he's offering some words, four different words, peace, love, faith, 
and grace as he offers these words of affirmation uh, to us. So he's reminding us of what he's praying for, reminding us of what he's praying for others. So we talked about pray for me, but what are you praying for in the lives of others around you? How are you praying on their behalf? Do you pray for peace? Pray for peace. You know, when you pray for peace, it kind of impacts the kind of struggle that you're causing somebody else. You know, instead of using your tongue to create anxiety and frustration or bad language or uh, anything negative like that, using our tongues to bring peace, to bring peace to those uh, around us. He's offering uh, Thanksgiving. He has four wishes for his church, for his friends around him. So he says, I, I pray for Pete. What do you pray for, for your children? What words would you use as expressions of, of love and affirmation to them? Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God, our father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who are, who love our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace, uh, affirmation, uh, encouragement. These are incredible blessings to us. First, there is peace. Peace be to the brothers and sisters. That's his challenge to us. You know, he's not, he's not talking about the absence of peace or absence of conflict. He's talking about well-being. What is my desire for the others around? Well-being, wholeness, and the scriptures call, call it shalom. Shalom. You know, there's a, a desire for God's presence to be with our friends and loved ones as we pray for God's peace to be upon him. That, that quote for the benediction said, the Lord lift up his face and countenance upon you and give you peace. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans that I have you, for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare. It's literally prayers for shalom. Prayers for wholeness and not for calamity to give you future and a hope. Uh, he's reminding us, he's in praying for peace for them. Not only peace with God, but peace in their hearts, wholeness uh, with one another. The benediction starts with peace and then he mentions love, love. Peace be to the brothers and love. This has been a big word in the book of Ephesians. It's used 14 different times and seven times in exactly the kind of emphasis that it is here. Love for the brothers and sisters, love for the people that are around us. How do we express our love to them? I heard this story about a Sunday school teacher that told her class of kindergartners that she wanted them next week, uh, it was St. Patrick's week, and they were supposed to bring something green that they loved. Green that they loved. So next Sunday, they started coming in with green hats and green sweaters and green books, green candy. But one boy had this big grin as he was coming in. And behind him, was his four-year-old sister wearing a beautiful green dress and him telling how much he loved his little sister. That is the kind of mutual esteem and love that ought to permeate through the body of Christ. Amen? That we express love to our brothers. As little kids, you saying, um, 
Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, maybe even green, right? Uh, and so in that setting, he's reminding us that uh, he says, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. Whew. It's pretty easy to love some of the saints. Might be difficult to love all the saints, right? Everything is in place for us to love our brothers and sisters, to pour out love on them. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. We now have the ability to love because he first loved us. He says, put on love. So how do you love everybody in your life? You love everybody because Jesus first loved you. You don't love on the basis of circumstances or what others have, have done or not done, but we bend over in obedience to what God has called us to be and to do and to be people of love. There's somebody that you need to love, somebody that you need to speak words of affirmation and love to them, peace, love. Third word he uses is the word faith, love with faith. Um, this word appears seven different times here in this little letter. And Paul has in mind not only saving faith, but practical day-to-day -day faith. Recognizing that we, we have faith. Uh, somebody asked me one day, well, I don't, I don't really know that I have any faith. And I said, you ever, have, you ever opened a can of soup? That's faith, man. <laughs> right? I mean, you have no idea where it came from. It might have an expiration on it that you probably didn't even look at. Um, you don't know who packed it. What, how, you don't know anything about that. But you pop that lid, pour it in a bowl, stick it in the microwave, and eat it for lunch. Right? That is faith. I'm sure on the way here, you went through a green traffic light, and you were totally full of faith that those people on the side were going to stop and not ram into you. See, we have the ability to have faith. He's talking about love with faith. I had a friend that um, would never fly. Like they were, he was so scared of flying. And so uh, we were going to go on this trip and we finally talked him into going with us. And so I'm sitting by him and he very carefully gets on the plane and he sits down and I said, all right, you did it. You're, you're going you're to fly today. You're, uh, you, uh, you're going to make it. And he said, well, I just want you to know that I'm pretty sure this plane will get us there, but I still hadn't put my whole weight down on this chair right here. <laughs> I said, man, you're ridiculous. <laughs> Don't you think that some people are like that with God? That you, you know about God, you know things about God, you know things that maybe you even believe about God. But belief is not all there is. You have to believe, but you have to trust. You have to put your whole weight down on Jesus Christ. That's all your problems, all your burdens, all the stuff that you're dealing with. You know, you can't just kind of say, well, I'm going to kind of, mm, I don't know. Nope. We put our whole weight down on Jesus. That's, that's what he's talking about. He's saying peace and love and faith. Then he's got one more. Uh, the fourth one in this little benediction, uh, he says grace. Now, grace is one of 
Paul's favorite words, right? Uh, we, we saw grace as one of the first words of the book of Ephesians in a greeting to the people. And now in these last words, in closing benediction, he has uh, now spoken this word about 12 different times. You know, grace, the grace of God is what makes all the difference. The grace of God, not your works, not what you've accomplished, but the grace that God has shown to all of us. I heard a story about this, uh, one of them stories about people going to heaven. And so this man went to heaven and the angel was there at the gate. And he says to the man, it'll take a thousand points for you to get into heaven. Tell me about yourself. I'll see how many points you got. He says, well, I went to church uh, most of my life. Oh, that's good. Three points. Three points. What else? What else you got? He said, well, I went to Sunday school. I love my neighbor. I, um, you know, I tithed, you know, I, 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 you know, I tried to be as good a person as I could. And the angel said, good. That'll give you a total of 10 points right there. 10 points. And then the man said, at this rate, I'll never get in. And then under his breath, he kind of said, except for the grace of God. And the angel said, that's exactly right. <laughs> except for the grace of God. You can't earn enough. You can't accomplish enough for yourself. The condition of grace is for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this not for your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. You know, when I heard that story, I thought, you know, you're not even, you're not even going to end up with 10 points. You get zero because <laughs> it's all grace. It's all the grace of God. Aren't you thankful for the grace of God? I mean, you're probably still alive because of the grace of God, that he thought enough of you to pour out his grace on. I mean, you just think about what you've been through and some of the things that you've dealt with. Just think about what has happened in your life. And except for the grace of God, where would you be? That's what he's talking about right here. He's reminding us. Grace is uh, God's free gift. It's not earned. We recognize even Jesus. Uh, he, was, he reminds us of this grace upon grace that has been poured out into our life. So, words of affirmation. Pray for me. Be vulnerable. Tychicus. Who do I need to bring affirming words to? The benediction praying for peace, praying for love and faith and grace to be given. There's one last word. He says, all those that love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. And it's so interesting that God talks about how much I love him. You know, Jesus was asked one time about the greatest commandments. You know what he said? He didn't say, get on your knees and crawl on your knees from the back of the sanctuary to the altar every Sunday when you come to show me how much you love God. Nothing like that. I met a girl one time that used to think that was the way. You know what he says? Jesus says, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Love God. So do you love Christ? Do you delight in him? Is he dear to you? Is our love for him alive and growing? 
do we love him more today than when we first knew him? Do we love him more than we did a year ago? Is the love and grace of God growing deep and wider as time goes by? Do I love him? That's Paul's final words. He's asking you, do you love him? Today, this final affirming word you know, requires us to question ourselves and to say to Jesus, I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. A while back, I was invited to an event. I think I've told you this story before, but it means so much to me. I'm going to tell you again. This was a setting where I was invited. It was a dress-up kind of situation. Everybody there was all dressed up. We met in the foyer of this building, and it was going to be a dedication of a beautiful painting that had been painted and was going to be placed in this area there. It was a lot of dignitaries. Uh, while this was going on, I'm, standing, I'm kind of standing at the back because there's a bunch of real dignitaries, you know, that are way up in front of me. And so this man steps up to the microphone and he begins to explain why we're there. And he says that, tells us about this artist, tells us about how they uh, commissioned this painting to be done, that it was going to, it was done over this period of time, the subject, the location where they were putting it. Um, and so it was, it was just like an amazing thing. And it's this veiled painting. You can see it, can't you? So just before the unveiling, this man says, uh, we're going to have a prayer. And I'd like my secretary to come and pray for us. Well, it just struck me so funny. I'm standing back there and thinking, because I wasn't looking to pray, but I thought, man, look at all these people that are here. And he asked his secretary to pray. Now, I wasn't knocking her. I, I knew of her, but I didn't know her personally. But I just thought that was so amazing that the secretary, she made her way and came up onto the platform. Well, I thought, I got to hear this prayer. And she began to pray. I began to get choked up. Because she wasn't praying some dignitary prayer. She was praying because she knew Jesus. Her words, so meaningful. Not just cliches, but really talking to God. And so tender toward him. So tender and open. She knew him. She got to the end of her prayer. She was quiet. And then she said, I love you, Jesus. Amen. And walked off. She didn't say in Jesus' name. She didn't. No, she just said right out of that prayer, I love you, Jesus. Amen. It's transformed me. I don't want to just be praying. I don't want to just be talking. I want Jesus to know, I love you, Jesus. My heart is so moved by what you've done for me. And I want to live in obedience and honor to you. Words of love. Words of love to our friends and family. 
words of affirmation to Jesus, our Savior. This little song says, I love you, Lord. And I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, my soul rejoice. Take joy, my King, in what you hear. Let it be a sweet, sweet sound in your ear. Do you feel tender toward God today? Will you allow yourself to have those tender moments where you'll say, pray for me? Or here's how I feel about you. Here's what I want to say to you. Here's the prayers I'm praying for you. Peace, love, faith, grace. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to end in two ways. We're going to sing this song that Kim is playing for us. I love you, Lord. If you don't know this song, I apologize. I'm not trying to sing something that you're not aware. This is an old song. But uh, would, you, would you allow me to teach it to you so that you could sing a song, that you could say some words like, I love you, Lord. And then when we're done, uh, we're going to uh, have a benediction that I'll share with you as we close today. Sing this. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, oh my Let that tenderness come out. Say it to him. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you, oh, my soul, Jesus, if you'll open your heart to him and be tender toward him, he'll change your life. Your love for Christ will break through the brokenness and the hurt and the depression and give you hope because as you love him, he will be with you. It's his challenge, undying love for him. So our benediction. Uh, would you uh, hold out your hands? We do that sometimes with benedictions. Uh, that's your expression of receiving 
uh, this word of affirmation today. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May God give you his peace in your going out and your coming in, your lying down and your rising up, your labor and your leisure, in your laughter and in your tears. Until you come one day to stand before Jesus on that day when there will be no more sunset or dawning. As your pastor, I love you. I really do. Have a wonderful Sunday. And may your home be filled with warmth and laughter, especially with the people that are dearest to you. I love you, Jesus. Amen. Praise him. Thank you for being here today. God bless you. Let your tenderness continue to rise up in you. Our ushers will be at the back. We are social distancing as we leave, so let them escort you out from the back to the front and social distance as you go. The Lord bless you today.